0: Welcome, MOA family, to another episode of the MOA Member Chat. In today's episode, we have Natasha Oaks, the Executive Senior Associate AD for Compliance, also the Senior Women Administrator and the Chief Diversity Officer for the University of North Texas. How are we doing today, Natasha?
1: I'm doing well. I know that my title is a mouthful. I joke with people that I think I have the longest title on campus now, um, but thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this and looking forward to our chat today.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So as we traditionally do with these episodes, we just would like our members to walk through their journey and maybe enlighten us on, is there anything unique or something that sticks out about your journey from when you started in the industry to where you are currently?
1: Well, you know, it's hard to believe that I've been in the industry for now 17 years. Um, I started when I was 12. Um, but, you know, I, um, I would say as far as a unique thing about my journey, I have never held a position that um, I secured as far as going after it myself without anyone championing for me. Every position that I've held from the internship that I got started out with at the conference office to even my role now was because someone was advocating for me and it it were jobs that I hadn't applied for that people came after me. Um, So, like I said, when I started out with my internship, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I knew I wanted to work in sports, um, had no idea where that was gonna be. And Carmen Leeds, who is still at Emporia State um, in a different role, um, but at the time she was the SWA and had a compliance and she said, Uh, do you know what you want to do and where you're going to go? And I was like, I I mean, I know what I want to do. I have no idea where I'm going. And she said, fax your resume to this number. Didn't know what I was applying for or if I was applying for anything. I got a call after that. And the commissioner of the conference was like, well, the job's yours if you want it. And so as I look back over my career, the way I got to the national office was because Jim Frazier, called me and asked me if I'd be interested in working at the national office. Uh, When I went to Missouri Western, I had people calling me in the conference saying, hey, would you like to come back to the league? Um, And even here at North Texas, I had people telling our vice president, Rem Baker, when he was looking for a compliance person and asking, who do you know? My name was the one that, that came up. So as far as Um, again, a unique aspect of my career. Um, I would say the fact that every place that I've been, someone has used their platform, their voice to prepare the way for me to have an outlet to get into that role.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, is there something that you highlight as the reason why you enjoy being involved in this industry?
1: Um, There's a a couple of things. Well, you know, I'm a former student-athlete. I loved my time at Emporia State. You know, if you look at my path, I'm very heavy D2, a D2 student-athlete, D2 administrator. This is my first Division I um, institution, Uh, but I loved my time and I wanted to give back to the industry that gave me so much. Um, we talk about, you know, the power of education and athletics is, is a vehicle to give us so many people access to education. Um, and so when I thought about what I wanted to do with my career, I wanted to play a role in giving access to other people like me, other people of color, other women, other student-athletes across the board to, to allow them to, to have access and really um, get the tools that come from being a college student athlete and allow them to go and pursue whatever it is that they want to from that point on after college, um, but creating a positive and powerful experience and, and transformational experience for other student athletes is really what drives me.
0: Very cool, now let's segue from your campus responsibilities to your involvement involvement with MOA. When did you get started with the organization? Uh, What do you enjoy about being a part of the organization and and where would you like to see the organization grow?
1: Well, so I can't remember the exact year that um, I got started with MOA, but I can tell you a story of how I got exposed to MOA. I was at a NACTA convention. It probably was early 2000s, and um, I had the opportunity to be in a room with Stan and with um, with uh, Keith Tribble and so many of more like the Godfathers. Um, of the organization that helped get this started. I had the opportunity to be exposed to Alfreda Goff early in my career, Um, you know, really key players and pivotal administrators um, that started MOA. And I didn't know what MOA was at the time, but when I saw that there were people that looked like me in the industry, I was like I need to I need to be around these people. I need to learn. I need to glean as much as I can. And as I learned about Moa and the fact that we have an organization that is created for us to put us in position to not only have a platform to exhibit our abilities to equip us to get better. I think about the professional developments opportunities that we have through our programming like the symposium, um, the convention that we that we do every year. Um, I think about the network that we're able to have access to. Those are so important, especially for administrators of color. you know I think about in my position, I have oftentimes been the only or one of very few, people of color and women of color and so to have an organization that I can tap into where someone can identify with and know what I'm going through and maybe give me the words of encouragement that I need to keep pressing forward or that I can now in my role do the same for people coming up behind me I think is is very important Um, I think as we've continued to grow as an association, as far as the scholarship opportunities that we provide to our members to be able to come to NACTA to experience the symposium and get exposure to other affiliate groups, I think it's huge. Uh, The mentoring programs that we're now offering, uh, the D2 Governance Academy that we offer, I had an opportunity to go through that. And I think all of that is very instrumental in equipping our membership so that people can know why is it important to serve within the committee governance structure? Um, How do you successfully navigate and prepare yourself as you're going through your career to elevate and, and grow as an administrator? These are things that our members are getting as a result of being a part of MOA. And then you think about now we're expanding and trying to promote minority-owned businesses so that we can collectively use our power to continue to elevate us as a people in this industry. I I just, I can't speak highly enough about all the positive, wonderful things that MOA does.
0: We are going to hire you as our (laughs) national spokesperson. That was great. That was unscripted, it was from the heart. Um, and, and definitely appreciated. it. And, and one thing you, you said that stuck out in my mind when I first started with the organization was the D2 Governance Academy. And, and when I attended it, it was one of those things where I was, I think I might've been a year within um, the industry and being an administrator.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and I was very green and I didn't understand governance work. And so I'm sitting in this meeting And I'm like, is this real or like what's going on? And it it was one of those things that's kind of like, had I not been a part of MOA, I would not have had that experience. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely beneficial um, for us to continue this this organization and make sure that we continue to, to make it grow. Now, segueing to you being a former student athlete, which events did you compete in now as a track and field student athlete?
1: Well, so um, myself and my best friend, we we are known as the workhorses of the team. So really, whatever we could handle is what our coach put us in. Um, I ran the 100, 200, 400 as far as sprints. Um, Very rarely did the 60 in indoor, but occasionally did it to work on speed training. Uh, Also did long jump, high jump and was on both the four by one and the four by four relays.
0: So dad, you're working around the clock. <laughs> right. That's a lot. There, of the there
1: was one time where I did, um, I was entered into the heptathlon and my coach said, I'll never do that to you again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause I couldn't hurdle. I couldn't hurdle. Like you kind of need to do that. And he just said, just sprint over the hurdle. No, I hit every single hurdle. And (laughs) so it made the rest of the events a little bit of a challenge to do because I had a massive bruise on my my knee, um, my trail leg. But uh, (laughs) but um, yeah, you know, um, I, I I loved my time though as a as a track and field student athlete, and I think it plays well now as a college administrator. Track is one of the sports that I oversee, and so. The kids know that I understand the hard work that they put in every day training. Um, I think when they have their wins and their their PR performances and whatnot, I think that they appreciate hearing from me because they know that I can relate to the hard work that that goes into um, training for for such a sport. Um, we oftentimes joke that that track is one of those sports where you know, running is other people's punishment, um, but, you know, <laughs> it's our sport, and um, it's a very unique sport, and, and I love it, so, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was my college career, as far as the events that I did.
0: So, who would you say is your favorite track and field student, athlete? excuse me, track and field athlete? Oh,
1: there's so, there's so many good ones, it's hard to narrow it down to one. Um, you know, growing up, it was all about Flojo and Jackie mm. Joyner Kersey. Um, but then in college, it was senior Richard Ross and watching mm. her at Texas. Um, and then uh, when we, I was actually at a meet out at Mount Sac Relays um, when Allison Felix broke out to the field. And we were all like, who is this woman? And so, I mean, there are some phenomenal female student athletes and, and female athletes out there. Um, and I just, I just love being around the sport because you've seen, you've seen it grow. You've seen the, the level of, excuse me, the level of competitiveness continue to increase as far as Um, where women have gone in that sport, especially. Um, Mm. And so, you know, there's just too many to name to say that this is my one favorite.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say women's track and field um, is actually popping to my head in terms of the Olympics. I would say it's it's one of the marquee events. And in terms of women's athletics, you can speak to track and field, uh, women's basketball, Volleyball as some of those marquee events that definitely, um, you know, we definitely should do more to highlight all of women, um, women's sports. But those are some that stick to my head in terms of just like you say, the remarkable athletes that have come from um, from those sports.
1: Yeah, you know, I, um, I think in addition to those sports, you know, I think about some of the, the key women just in sports in general that stand out to me. Um, from a women's basketball standpoint Don Staley is one of my favorites of all time um, just to be able to watch her from when she was playing college and then to go professionally and all the things that she did with team usa and then to see her now coaching and at a very high level um and you know obviously they play tonight so looking forward to Um, seeing her continue to to create um, history. But even in looking at the women's final four matchup, and we've got two two amazing black women, women of color that are in the women's final four. That's the first time in history that we've had two women of color coaches lead programs to the women's final four. So, you know, women's sports, while many have discounted to say, that it's boring or it's whatever, they're trying to compare it to men. You know, women's sports are very much viable and strong and bring their own level of excitement. And if that's not a person's cup of tea, so be it. But I, I think people need to open their minds and really consider the amazing ability that our women student athletes, that our women professional athletes do. I mean, you look at Serena, And what she's done for the sport, her and her sister Venus have done um, for the sport of tennis. You know, people are interested in tennis now that may not have ever considered it because of them. Um, And so, you know, there's there's a lot of different sports out there that that have amazing women out there crushing it.
0: Absolutely. It's funny story about Dawn Staley and fellow Philadelphia native. She is a treasure. I mean, you can't I, you, you can't say enough good things about about Dawn. And if anyone has anything bad to say about Dawn, you got to come to me because she is a Philadelphia treasure. Funny thing is I had uh, and this may have been like after Team USA. So, you know, well documented. I think she might have been at Temple or, or somewhere else in terms of um, where she was in her career. And so I, I can't remember why I was back home in Philadelphia, but for whatever reason, uh, this is off City Line Avenue. And so I was going to St. Joe's University to work out right at the track. And I see her, she pulls into the gas station and she gets out the car. And I was like, oh, that's, and my hair thing, like, that's Don Staley, I said, and I was just too starstruck. I couldn't go say anything <laughs> to her just because I don't know. I just got so nervous, right? And it's one of those things where every time I see South Carolina play, I'm like, I'm always rooting for her. Mm-hmm. Obviously just because uh, of the great things that she has done and continue to do. And, yeah, I mean, Coach Staley is one of a kind, one of a kind.
1: She's definitely special. Um, I had the opportunity to, to escort the team down. I worked a little bit at the women's tournament, and I had a chance to escort the team down for a media um, event. And I'm just sitting here like, I am walking next to Don Staley. I'm like maintain your composure, but I really wanted to take a picture. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like I got it. I got to be professional.
1: <laughs> right, but I really wanted to snap a selfie. Like, but I, I mean, I maintained my composure. But I was like, I cannot believe I am sitting here and I'm walking with Don Staley. <laughs> so I totally understand the starstruck feeling that you had. Um, but yeah, she's awesome, and I, I appreciate that she understands the responsibility that comes with the platform that she has. And she uses that to continue to advance people of color, women of color, women's basketball. Um, So, you know, I just, I I can't speak highly enough about her. I, I think she's amazing.
0: Now let's segue to, had you not been involved in this industry what, what your career path would have been?
1: You know, that that's a really interesting question. It's one that I'm always like, you know, I don't know. Um, so one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about me, um, I am a classically trained violinist. And my grandmother and my mother, they worked hard. They were like, you're going to have different level of exposure, and so they Mm -hmm. got me involved at a very early age as far as playing the violin. Mm -hmm. So I would think if I had not pursued athletics, um, I probably would be doing something with that, Um, whether that's playing in in a philharmonic orchestra or whatnot. I still have my violins. I have not played them as often as I probably should um but uh that's something that music has always been an interest of mine um and so i think that if i weren't working at athletics i'd probably be doing something with music or something from a creative um slant um whether that's i like to cook so culinary arts or um something artistic
0: who's your favorite musical group currently
1: my favorite musical
0: Or, or, or artists, or artists, or a few.
1: Um, I would say one of my current favorite artists um, is her. And that's because I appreciate um, not only her vocal ability, but her musical ability as far as playing instruments. Um, I think she has a beautiful voice. But I think what's even more intriguing about her is how she uses her voice and uses her, her musical skill.
0: Yeah, it's it's one where she is definitely a, a phenomenal artist. I enjoy her work. And it, it brings me to the conversation uh when you hear or you see people put on whatever social media platform, they compare certain artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes I look at a, look at okay, well, can that artist play other instruments? And for me, mm-hmm. it's when, if you can play other instruments as well as your voice as an instrument, is for me, like the, the conversation starts there and it can end there as well as a comparison between one artist versus the other. Because for me, I'm uh, trying to teach myself the guitar. I need to um, actually dust it off and start practicing again. And it's one of those, those things when I grew up, I wish I would have started sooner as opposed to later in life, because live Mm -hmm, music instruments is just something where I've I've always enjoyed uh, just throughout my time, just growing up, still enjoy it. If there's anywhere where they're playing live music, I tend to gravitate towards that establishment. But yeah, in terms of vocalists, her is definitely uh, one of our our new vocalists uh, that's doing doing phenomenal work. Mm -hmm. So if you... Had your choice of whatever vocalists or artists that you can put in the group. Let's say three members. Who would they be?
1: And oh why? man, <laughs> three vocalists or artists. Well, um, I'd start with her. Like I said, yeah. just from a vocal ability and then musicality standpoint, she's she's very talented. Um, man, Jasmine Sullivan is another one that has amazing range, like, ridiculous. Um, I don't even think I would need very many (laughs) colors. Like, the two of them together are amazing. Um, I think if I had to choose another... Musical artist, maybe like a. Uh, I I love Anthony Hamilton, mm. and like P J. Morton, like yeah, so like one of them, yeah. Know, there's, so ma- there's so many good yeah. artists out there, and you know I I tend to. To lean towards more r and um, soul, gospel, um, love all kinds of music, um, but they're, they're definitely top of mind. I probably listen to them um, a lot. Uh, Angie Stone is another one that, that I love. Um, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Definitely, definitely. So let's let's jump back on to our professional um, lives. And so what, what are you currently working on on campus? What's going on?
1: Well, so um, my my new uh, title uh, in all the different roles as far as SWA and chief diversity officer, um, that all was official in October of 2020. Um, I had kind of been working on some things prior to that but then uh, everything was solidified as far as the title and, and everything and so really right now understanding that those are those are really expansive areas right so you think about compliance in and of itself is a lot um, and in my office there's myself and three others um, our associate ad for compliance Alicia Oliver our Coordinator um, Gavin Boatwright, and then we also have um, an administrative assistant, um, Cindy Ford. Who I I told her I was like, because she has the interest to learn. I was like, okay, well you you gonna learn? (laughs) We're gonna have you do stuff Um, because you just gotta maximize your resources. Um, When you talk about a rule book that's practically 400 pages, and that's just the compliance side of it, not taking into account. Everything from a Texas law standpoint Mm. for compliance Um, right now, um, you know, from a compliance front, we're looking, monitoring a lot with NIL and figuring out how we're going to set ourselves up and best educate our students, our coaches, our staff, um, depending on what ultimately gets adopted. Uh, We've got a lot of different bills floating out there. There's a couple in our state that have been recommended, plus we've been looking at um, the Wicker Bill from a federal standpoint. Um, So really trying to to get our arms around how we manage that, understanding that um, NIL could arguably be one person's job in and of itself. Um, So really trying to figure out how to best position our institution from that standpoint. Also working as far as from a diversity standpoint, we have a unity platform that we've created. Um, We really wanted to find a way to elevate our student athletes' voices and to allow them to really express themselves and and articulate what's important to them. So we've created a new website on our um, MeanGreenSports.com page that links to different videos that we've done. We've talked about Um, women in sport. We've talked about the importance of Black History Month. We've talked about um, just different things that are important to our kids. And so I think that that, that's been really well received. Um, We have a series of initiatives that we have on that page. Um, We've um, done voter education and, and different things to not only educate our community internally from an athletics department standpoint but educating our campus community our supporters um so we've been working on that um and you know just really trying to to figure out how we continue to grow and and advance as a society particularly here you know you you focus on controlling your own sphere of influence and so Mm -hmm. We've really been working on um, empowering our kids to let them know, like, no, we, we really want to know what's important to you. This is not something that we're just giving lip service to. And I'm going to continue to ask you so that, you know, you, if there's something that you feel we need to address or that you think would be beneficial, we want to hear it. And so those are the big things that we're working on right now um obviously you you know from working on campus um compliance is is something where you can go in one day and plan to do something and then something else pops up so <laughs> we um we we obviously um try to best support our student athletes and but as far as big goals those are the things that we're working on in my office is really looking at how do we continue to grow our diversity, equity, and inclusion programming as a whole through our Unity platform, and then really from a compliance standpoint, tracking on NIM.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where the student athlete voice is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely encourage them to continue to speak up so that we can can have change. I mean, that's why me personally, that's why I got into the industry. Uh, but it's one, of, it's one of those things where they may not understand how much time certain things mm-hmm. may take to actually change. And, and we could definitely do a better job as administrators to try to be quicker and change. But they have to understand that the process sometimes
1: mm-hmm. is going to
0: take a while because uh, there are a lot of things that have been in place previously that may sometimes make change more difficult than they probably think just kind of speaking of some of these issues that we are are commonly uh, aware of. Right. So, yeah, we're coming up to the end of our episode um, and a couple more questions. Uh, One being for yourself, where would you, in terms of goals, uh, what would you like to accomplish still?
1: Well, you know, it's it's so crazy. Like, as I think about my career, I don't know that if someone would have told me even six years ago, that I would be in this position right now. I, I don't know that, that I would believe them, but you know, I've always tried to operate from a standpoint of, are there things that I would like to accomplish? Absolutely. I have um, different goals as far as I'd like to um, be in the chair whether that's an AD chair, commissioner chair, I got my start off at the conference office, I still have an interest in being in the chair. Um, how I get there is, you know, is gonna be up to um, different variables, factors or whatnot. I've always tried to place myself in a position to continue to grow and to continue to learn. Um, you know, if you look at, at my my resume, I've worked at the campus level, the conference level, and the national office, and that's all been very intentional. Um, when you look at, um, at the time, um, when I was thinking about, okay, if I want to be a D2 commissioner, what do I have to do to get there? Well, at the time, the most recent hires, the most six recent hires that they had done from a d2 commissioner standpoint was hiring people that worked at the national office so i went that route to try to get that experience which i think was very beneficial for me as far as developing as a compliance administrator um, but then you listen to what the feedback is from the membership about people in the national office sometimes they may not understand or or remember what it was like working on campus well at the time I didn't have campus experience. I had conference office experience. I had national office experience. So I've, I've tried to be very intentional about really grasping as much as I can and learning as much as I can to best position me for whatever the next would be. Um, I love my role. I love working at North Texas. I love the people that I work with. Um, so it's not something where Um, You know, I know some people find themselves in positions where it's they feel they got to get out in order to grow. I've been fortunate enough to be able to continue to grow at my current institution. I'm really appreciative of the opportunities that have been provided here to continue to grow. Um, I I would say, like I said, eventually I would like to to find myself in the chair. Um, So I want to continue to grow um and equip myself and put things in my toolkit so that I can be effective in in that position. Um, so whether that's learning more from a development standpoint or getting more access to understanding contracts and scheduling and you, you know what have you, um, definitely trying to continue to grow. And I will give a plug to our symposium that's coming up uh, in June. Uh, one of the things that we talked about as far as what we're trying to do for our membership is putting people in a position where they understand um, what it's like to hire a coach or how you go about contract negotiations for games or, or whatnot, because those are the things that people need to understand when they get in the chair and, And so um, I would encourage other people that are listening to check out our symposium um, because we're definitely trying to provide tools to better equip our membership so that those that are pursuing either advancement from entry level to mid-level management or mid-level to senior level management that we're providing sessions that can give them insight into what those administrators face on a day to day.
0: Sounds good. So we are at the portion of our episode, whereas the MOA member minute is the chance for our MOA member to give any professional or personal advice to the membership. So without further ado, Natasha, it's your MOA member minute.
1: Well, I would just say uh, be authentically you. Um, So oftentimes I think people try to strive to be like someone that they see that they aspire to be, Um, but no one can be better at you than you. And so I would say pursue whatever it is that, that you're going after, whatever goals that you have, be intentional, but be authentically you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is your host, Michael Baysmore. Wish you to stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. We want to thank you again, Natasha, for joining us today in the mobile member chat.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.